you storm-proof, but it should make you storm-ready. It should make you storm-ready. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, and let's stand to read the Word of God. You know, if you recap what we've gone over since January, I told you in January that I was going to share messages with the distinct goal in mind that if we did the Word that was shared, did the Word that was preached, that we would be fruitful, very fruitful in 06. And I'm going to tell you something, church, we're in a world of storms. And it's not that storms won't come, it's when they do come, how do you handle it? How do you handle financial storms? How do you handle temptation storms? How do you handle marital storms? How do you handle storms in your family? How are you handling the storms? It's not what comes at you. It's how you respond to what comes at you that matters. And that's exactly what Jesus taught. Study his teachings and you'll find that he taught response more than anything. Bless those that curse you. That's a response. Do good to those who hate you. That's a response. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. That's a response. Now, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rock are the teachings of Christ. The rock is the teachings of Christ. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. Everybody say with me, it did not fall. Because it was storm ready. It was storm ready. So it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock of Jesus and his teachings. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, and where does the mistake come in? Does not do them does not live them, does not practice them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came, same rain, same floods, same winds, and beat on that house. But this house was different. What happened to it? It fell, and great was its fall. Two houses, two results to the same storm. Father, we thank you for your blessing today. We thank you for the word of God, and we pray you will speak to us out of it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, storm ready. All right. Now, let me recap last week real quickly. Last week, we talked about storms and being steady in the storms of life, being steady in the storms of life. Now, Jesus in this text is clearly describing a storm. Now, he's not talking about a literal storm. He's talking about attacks from the enemy. He's talking about storms that come against you. I've already named them. I could name the common ones again. Temptation, financial storms, marital storms, relationship storms. No matter what the storm is, it's like a driving wind. It's like a flood that strikes against the house of your faith. It comes to test the integrity, the strength of your foundation, of the house you've built on your faith. And those storms strike from nowhere. They come suddenly. 
Storms don't send you a mailgram. They don't send FedEx to your house and tell you they're coming. Storms come out of nowhere. Storms come suddenly. And whatever is a storm to you is a storm. It rattles you. It shakes you. It concerns you. It tests your faith. It tests the metal that your faith is made of. He also said that those who heard and did his teachings survived the storms. Those who did not uh, do the teachings, they heard them. I want you to notice that the people Jesus talked about heard the storm or heard the teaching, but they didn't do the teaching. So when the storm struck, they fell. It crumbled. Their house did not withstand the storm. Now, folks, I'm going to prophesy to you a little bit. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that our nation is under siege, that people of faith are under attack. All you've got to do is watch the news, read the paper, look at the books that are out. I've looked at the books that are out just right now on Amazon.com, the top-selling books, and I found yet another one this week attacking the teachings and the person of Jesus Christ. There's now four bestsellers out there that have been written to undermine the person and the teachings and the mission of Jesus Christ. Our faith is under attack. We cannot be unprepared for the storms that are coming against the church. God wants his people to not only be ready, but be more than overcomers, more than conquerors through him who loved us. So Jesus said, it's not if storms come, it's when they strike the house of your faith. It's when they come. Are you going to be shaken and rattled and unnerved and and knocked off the race, off the road? Are you going to be sidelined, sidetracked? Or are you going to be steady in the storm, weather it, and come out on the other side stronger than you were before? Now, last week we used the illustration of an airplane with us as the pilot. You're the pilot. You're the captain of a jet airplane. Think about it. Say, thank God that's not true. (laughs) Pilots are taught to do one thing. Pilots are taught to do one thing above all else when they encounter a storm. And I want you to remember this little phrase. They're they're taught. Their, Their minds will go back to one little phrase when they encounter major turbulence or a major storm in the skies. Fly the plane. Fly the plane. Your number one job is to keep the plane in flight. Just fly the plane. And then they remember this. When you're only thinking fly the plane through a storm, you go back, you revert to the fundamentals that you learn in pilot school. You go back to the fundamentals. And we also, church, need to remember one thing. We need to remember one thing when we hit a storm. Are you ready? Fly the plane. It is crucial that you keep your spiritual life intact. You've got to fly the plane, steady as she goes. Keep your spiritual integrity intact. Keep your walk alive. Fly the plane at all costs. Listen, God has given us the Holy Ghost on the inside. He's given us his word to equip us. He has given us all that we need so when the rain falls, the floods come, and the winds blow, whatever the storm happens to be, we have within us a warrior, a winner, an overcomer and a conqueror and Jesus was the perfect picture of somebody who knew how to fly the plane in the middle of a storm. God wants us to come out on the other side of our storm 
not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit as a testimony to the fact that Christians can go through a storm, come out on the other side and saying, praise God, hallelujah, I can still praise Him, I still get up and pray, I still go to church, I still fellowship with the saints, I still read the Word of God, I've still got a song on my lips, He has been with me, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay, and He has put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God, many will see it and fear and trust in the Lord. We're to keep ourselves spiritually steady. Don't crash. Don't run out of fuel, but remain steady in the storm. Don't crash. Don't run out of fuel but remain steady in the storm. We do that by spending, last week we talked about, we do this by spending time in the Word, time with God in prayer, and time with other believers. You say, Pastor Jeff, that is just so simple. Yes, this is the fundamentals. But ladies and gentlemen, do you know how many people, when they go through a storm, they get out of the Word, they get out of prayer, they get out of church, they get out of fellowship. And because they disattach themselves from the touch points of God, the touch points of life, the plane crashes. No, we're to be steady in the storm. Can you say it with me today? Steady in the storm. That's the first fundamental we turn to in trying times. Fly the plane. Keep your life intact. Stay in touch with God. Fly the plane. But the second fundamental that a pilot is taught when he hits major turbulence in the sky, and I don't know about you, I'm not a good flyer. I don't like flying in jets. I don't like turbulence. I don't like being caught way up there in a metal tube shooting through the sky at 30,000 feet. Every time we hit turbulence, I want to know that that captain is in charge, but he won't talk to me. So I have to talk to God, and I have to remind God that I'm called. I have to remind God that I'm a person of destiny. And I can't tell you how many times I've pleaded the blood and reminded God of my call to preach up there 30,000 feet high while everybody else is reading a book. I got white knuckles. I don't like it. But what I do like is when I can tell the pilot is doing what the second fundamental says you ought to do. And that is slow down, slow way down. This is what pilots are taught. Upon encountering in turbulence, pilots are advised to revert to the maneuvering speed. This is to avoid structural damage. One expert wrote, at this slower speed, the pilot is better assured the ability to withstand the abrupt blows without sustaining damage to the plane and is better able to maintain positive control through the temporary but potentially threatening encounter. So the pilot knows this, fly the plane, and when you hit that major turbulence, a major storm, slow down to maneuvering speed. To a pilot, the top priority in turbulence is structural integrity and survival. Structural integrity and survival. And when you and I pass through a storm, the main thing we need to be thinking about is flying the plane and maintaining structural integrity and surviving it. And you don't survive it by thinking your way through it. You don't survive it by denying it. You survive it by going back to the fundamentals. Stay in the Word. Stay in prayer. Stay in fellowship. And slow your life down. 
Remember, Jesus said there were two different results to the storm. After a storm, two different people go through the same storm. One makes it through healthy and strong, structural integrity and soundness intact, but the other one crashes. What makes the difference? Two people, same storm, the same sun that melts butter, hardens clay. Some people crash, their hearts get hard. Others melt before God melt toward God, seek God in the storm, and they fly the plane through. So again, the second fundamental is slow down. Now, I've learned something. I've learned that high-level, sustained pressure can indicate that I'm out of the pace of God. Now, I'm going to say that again. I've learned that high-level, sustained pressure can indicate I'm out of the pace of God. In other words... If I'm constantly busy, constantly stressed, constantly worn out, constantly tired, it could be that I'm out of the pace of God because patience is the pace of the race. And God does not wear his people out. God does not wear his people out. Can I tell you something today? There is nothing spiritual about busyness Boy, Steve, edit all this clapping out for the radio. Now I can tell when the wheels are turning because, see, we're so busy, it's ridiculous. Isaiah 28, 16 says, whoever believes will not act hastily. Whoever is walking in faith will not act hastily. Can I give you a little newsflash today? God Almighty, Jehovah, who created all that you see here, taste, Taste, touch, and smell. Jehovah, who created the universe, the worlds upon worlds, that Jehovah rested on the seventh day. There's not anything spiritual about busyness. In Mark 6, verse 30 to 31, the disciples have just returned from being sent out on their first missionary experience. They cast out devils, they heal the sick, and they preach the gospel of the kingdom. And when they come back, they're excited, they're cranked about everything that God has done. They say, Lord, you should have seen what we did in your name. It was amazing. And Jesus looked at them and said these words, as for you, come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Rest? What are you talking about? We just discovered the anointing. Rest? We want to go do it again. What do you mean? Rest. But Jesus understood that human beings cannot constantly go without finally expiring. So he said, rest a while. For many were continually coming and going, and they had not even leisure enough to eat. They didn't even have leisure enough to eat. Now, a good legalist, looking at that huge crowd, a good legalist would have said, we've got to stay and minister until the last one is gone. Not Jesus. Jesus said, leave the crowds and take care of yourselves. Leave the crowds, leave the busyness, leave the stress and take care of yourselves. Now, what this is today is a cheap counseling session. You'd pay $150 an hour for this elsewhere. Because that's why a lot of people end up in those chairs, looking like deer staring at headlights, looking wasted and exhausted because they can't hear the voice of God saying, slow down, you're in a storm. Slow down, you need to hear God. Slow down, you need to fill yourself up with fuel. You need the word of God in you. Slow down and pause to praise and think to thank and will to worship. Slow down. 
Jesus said, leave the crowds, take care of yourselves. I think of Isaiah saying, they that wait upon the Lord. That word wait in the Hebrew language means to wrap yourself around the Lord. Like a small piece of string would wrap itself around a rope. The string can be broken, but when it's wrapped around the rope, it's as strong as the rope. Can I give you some news today? You're only as strong as your last time with God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew, shall renew. They're going to experience a renewal of strength. They shall run and they will not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. Even the youths shall faint and grow weary. But they that wait upon the Lord will not faint and will not grow weary because they have a continual injection of Holy Ghost fuel. So the plane keeps on flying. It does not crash. Jesus said, slow down. He said, rest. He said, take time for yourself. Take time with me. There is no time lost in waiting if you are waiting on the Lord. It's never a waste of time if you waited on the Lord. Time spent with God is quality time that will never be taken away from you. That's what Jesus said to Mary while Martha was running around, running out of fuel, running out of patience, running out of her natural reserve of energy. Jesus looked and said, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about so many things, but Mary has chosen the good part. She's listening to my word. She's sitting at my feet. She's not going to crash. She's not going to run out of fuel. She's not going to run out of patience because she has chosen the better part. Think of a candle. It's cool enough that you can hold it, yet it burns at the same time. You know what Jesus wants in his saints? Cool and burning. Cool and burning. And that's not cool as we know it. Isn't he cool? Oh, they're so cool. Uh Uh-uh. That means inside, you're in touch with God. The plane is in flight. You've got the Holy Spirit filling you. The Word has renewed your mind. You're cool in circumstances, cool in storms. And the light of the Holy Spirit and the witness of God yet burns in your life. You're cool, yet you burn. I'm going to preach a message sometime called Cool and Burning. If everything is busyness and life is no longer fun and you seldom laugh and your temper is short and you're constantly tense, you need to slow down. Now let me give you some facts about busyness. A recent Lou Harris survey revealed that the amount of leisure time enjoyed by the average American has shrunk 37% since 1973 due to expanded work weeks and the endless quest for more money. Time, Harris said, may have become the most precious commodity in the land. Time. The most precious commodity in the land. Come here, time. I need some time. How can I grab some time? Isn't it good to know 
that God wants you to have enough time to be with him and enough time to refuel the tank and enough time to wash your mind in the word of God and enough time to fellowship with the saints so that your plane, when it hits the storms of life, financial, you got a credit card bill and you can't believe it's that high. You and your spouse can't communicate anymore. Your kids have gone nuts. You don't know what's happened to them. It's like a spirit from another planet came and got into their body. You don't even know who they are anymore. Now you're in a storm of life. And what are you going to do? Cool but burning. Cool but burning. Somebody else said being busy has become chic and trendy. What you been doing? Oh, just been so busy. Hey, hadn't seen you much. Oh, you know, busy. Oh, busy with what? Oh, busy with the work of the kingdom. Is that why you got bags under your eyes and you look like you haven't slept in a week? Is that why you've lost so much weight or gained so much weight? Is that what's going on with your life that you can't even, you don't have the patience to sit at a red light without losing your cool? Is that what you mean by busyness? As a result of the busyness, workers are weary, parents are preoccupied, and children and family relationships are neglected. The greeting card business has, has developed a whole new product line for busy parents and their children. More and more children are finding cards in their backpacks or under their pillows that say, quote, have a good day at school. Mommy loves you. Or I wish I were there to tuck you in, but my thoughts are with you. A University of Detroit survey found that only 14.5 minutes per day was spent with parents and children talking to each other, and only two of those minutes was meaningful. The other 12.5 was, hurry up, get ready for school. How you doing in your grades? You're not cutting the mustard. You're in another program. This statistic is true for two reasons, busyness and TV. Now, I have a new name for TV. Uh, I'm convinced it's the babble box. I'm called the babble box. And I watch it about 15, 30 minutes a day, and then I always turn it off in anger because it has gone straight to Hades in a handcart. There's very little on that thing worth watching, but because of the busyness, the distraction of... Do you know that if we lost our televisions for a month, a lot of us would go into withdrawal? <laughs> we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves because that box that sits in the middle of the living room with all the furniture turned towards it is an idol. And, and how often do we let that thing babysit our kids? And how often do we let that thing distract us from marital issues that we need to be working out? How often does that thing anesthetize us from the realities of life? I think we might discover that we don't even know each other if the TVs were taken out of our house. So I'll say to myself, turn off that babble box. Just turn it off. It's a babble box. And that's all they do. Babble, 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 babble. About nothing. In another survey, an incredible 71% of people said their lives had gotten busier in the last year. Then what do we do? I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. 
Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 16, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? Luke 12, 18. So he said, I will do this. Look at this rich man. Look what he does. I don't have any more room to store my crops. He said, I know what I'll do. I will pull down my barns and build bigger barns. And there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And his whole focus was on his stuff and not the condition of his soul. He was talking to his soul. He spoke to his soul. He addressed his own soul, but he ignored the greatest need of his soul. Because as soon as he said, it's cool, you've got all you'll ever need. Your 401k is stuck. You've got over a million dollars in savings. Kick back and eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, This night your soul will be required of you. This is the night you die. This is the night your body stops. Your heart stops ticking. This is it. This is the big one. The curtain's about to close. Then whose will those things be which you have stored up? What's going to happen to everything you've saved, everything you focused on? And then Jesus said, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The gist of the parable is we ought to be wise with our time and not get so busy with the affairs of this world that we neglect the things of the Spirit. Because you can gain the whole world and lose your soul in the plain So everybody say with me, be rich toward God. Now, how can I be rich toward God? He's got everything. I'm going to tell you how. Your time. Now, not all your time. I'm not saying give God all your time. Go join a monastery, climb a mountain, put on a white sheet, and withdraw from society. I'm saying give God your best time, your first time, the first time of the day. Refuel the tank. Don't run out of fuel in the middle of the race. Don't run out of fuel in the middle of the storm. But I got to get up and think about the storm. No, you ought to get up and give God the storm. But when I wake up, all I think about is the storm. I'm just thinking about the storm. What am I going to do? Where am I going to turn? What's wisdom? Where am I supposed to? And no, no, don't run it through your head. Don't go into analysis paralysis. Stop yourself and say, Lord, you knew this storm was coming. You know what it's all about. I give you the storm, and I'm going to refuel the tank. I'm going to spend time with God. Say with me, I should release the storm. But if I don't let go of it, what's going to happen to it? Well, I know what's happening to it while you're hanging on to it. And I know what's happening to you too. Second, we should ask ourselves if we're tearing down adequate barns. Adequate barns. Barns that are fine. That house is fine. That car is fine. Those clothes are fine. To build an unnecessarily luxurious lifestyle. In other words, are we busy in order to feed our greed? The plane must stay on course at all costs. So the main thing that you should ask yourself when you get up in the morning is not how can I feed my greed, but you get up in the morning and you go, 
All right, I'm getting with God. I'm going to stay on course. What is the course? You don't want to crash, but you also don't want to end up in Timbuktu either. You're headed to your destination. And what is it? It's not just making enough money to pay the bills. It's not, it's not just getting a bigger house and a nicer car. That's not your goal. Your goal is spiritual. It's whatever he apprehended you to do. What did he apprehend you to do? I tell you, you can get off course and wake up one day and look around and go, wow, how in the world did I get here? You can get off one degree flying a plane, and that's all that it takes. You wake up one day way, way off. So what is the course? It is seeking him daily. It is pressing into Jesus. It is spending time with God. And it's doing whatever he has put on your heart to do. Stay on course. And that's next week. That's next week. But say with me, I got to stay on course. And don't be distracted by the chase after money. That bumper sticker is a lie that says he who dies with the most toys wins. I'm going to venture a guess. I think I can turn that coin and say he who dies with the most stupid, meaningless toys has lost. But he who dies able to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't care if he was living in a mud-thatched hut in the deepest dark corners of Africa. He won. And now I'm going to close with this one. Learn the fine art of saying an anointed no. No, don't believe so, no. Thanks for the invitation, but no. But shouldn't you go to every Holy Ghost meeting that blows through town? No. Shouldn't you go to every house and invite you over for dinner just so you can be hospitable? No. There's an anointed yes and there is an anointed no. A-N-O-I-N-T-E-D. Ephesians 5, 15 to 16 says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. You know what I've learned? Many things that people say are emergencies aren't. It's just an emergency to them. But when you say no, they'll freak, get offended, but realize down the road, well, truthfully, that was not the emergency that I thought it was. Have you ever gone running over to an emergency and found everything just fine? You got to learn to say, no. Can we try it together here as a church? One, two, three. No. Boy, y'all did good on that one. It's like that was all pent up on the inside. And here I'm going to talk about Wednesday night church after this. This does not apply to Wednesday night church. That's supposed to be an anointed yes. Learn to say no to the expendable and spend time on the things that make for a balanced life. That's what God really wants us to do. Jesus was the perfect example of a balanced life. He goes out, he ministers to the crowds. He feeds the 
the hungry, heals the sick, raises the dead. But when Jesus got tired, it says he would go apart into a mountain alone and pray. Outreach, inreach. Touch others, touch yourself. Take care of others, take care of yourself. If you're not taken care of, how are you going to minister to other people? You can't. You have got to be fueled and you've got to be on course and you've got to be steady in the storm if you're going to reach out and touch anybody with an anointing from God. Balance, balance, balance where we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things are added unto us as side benefits. So can you say with me, fly the plane and slow down. Now, what's going on in your life today where you need to slow down and hear God? I love Steve's song because he was talking about speaking for God in the first person. The song said, I want to talk to you. There's some things I want to say to you. I want to minister to you, but you can't hear me because you're in a storm of busyness, in a storm of whatever, and you're not slowing down long enough to hear me. And there's nothing spiritual about busyness. Can we stand up together today? You know, Kathy and I went through a tremendous storm in the last two years. Tremendous storm. And I can tell you, you know, I think sometimes we hear messages from preachers and we go, well, you know, they just pulled that out of the Word. That's just another message, another sermonette to Christianettes. Three points and a poem, we go home. I'm going to tell you what I'm sharing with you saved my life. It saved my life. It's, I wouldn't be standing here if I had not, if I had not done these things. Because we were in a storm, all caps. And I knew if I don't get with God, spend time in fellowship, spend time in prayer, spend time in his word and slow down and listen to him. All I see beyond is an abyss. And so these things I'm sharing with you, I've done them. I know this works. Isn't that right, Kathy? I was out on our patio every morning at the rising of the sun with my Bible my Matthew Henry commentary, my Strong's concordance, and I dug in. And I heard God. And he gave me a word in the storm. And when he gave me the word in the storm, there was no book, there was no radio. By the way, did you know that this week I got an email saying they, they're, they're translating? They have already translated windshield into Korean. It's gone into Korean. <clears throat> Isn't that neat? But I'm telling y'all, as, as my church or as God's church that I'm speaking to and ministering to and, and under-shepherd over, I don't just look for some sermon. If it hadn't touched me, it's not going to touch you. If, it, if, if I haven't walked it, I can't give you what I don't have. And I'm going to tell you, this I have worked into my life. And it took me through the storm. God gave me an anchoring word, just me and him. He said, just sit still and preach. Don't do anything else. Just preach 
and sit still and you watch what I do. That's what he told me. Don't move, don't run, don't hide. Just sit and preach and do what I've told you and you watch what I do. I can't tell you how many hundreds of times I've gone back to that word that came to me when I slowed down and prayed and got into the scriptures and I let him talk to me in the storm. Friend, you can go around and around the same mountain from now until Jesus comes. He'll let you. It'll be a sad sight to watch, but he'll let you. What you doing? So, same mountain. Ten years later, you meet him. Hey, what's going on? Oh, same mountain. Please, God, I think I'm starting to get it. <laughs> Aren't you tired of that cul-de-sac? You know how you know you're in a cul-de-sac? It ought to take one trip. <laughs> Haven't I seen that house before? Once you see yourself in, in this maniacal monotony, you need to stop and go, all right, it's time to hear from God. How, how long are you going to do this in your marriage? How long are you going to do this with credit cards and money? I'm telling you, fly the plane. Get your spiritual integrity strong and hear from God. and He'll talk to you. And you'll come out on the other side. The clouds have parted. I'm still reading the instruments, but I can see. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you today for your blessing. We thank you, Lord, that you did not intend for us to crash. But you have given us everything we need to fly the plane. Now, I pray for those in here today who are caught up in the tornado of busyness, the hurricane of temptation. the cyclone of marital discord and alienation. Help us, Lord, to practice your teachings. I pray, help this people to seek you, to slow down, <clears throat> to get up and give you the best time of the day, to draw near. And to hear from God for themselves. Now, I just feel a prophetic word, and I'm just going to say this. If you will do what you've heard, the end of your storm is not far off. The end of your storm is not far off. The clouds are going to begin to clear. The sun's going to begin to shine. You're going to find a new song in your heart. God is going to speak to you and give you wisdom and help you to make sense of things and you're going to know the way to walk. Just do what you've heard. He's waiting to talk to you. In Jesus' name, let's sing, Steve, can we? Hallelujah. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew 